Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hello! Hi! Thanks for joining me for episode 373 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the cookie creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick a big copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on blog talk radio where you will also find some links to fun things this is a fun episode i just want to talk to you i just want to share and have a good time so that's what this is about today before we get started i have to thank the very nice people who have become patrons of the Hippie Witch podcast on Patreon since our last episode. Thank you so much for helping me get to my dream goal here. My first huge goal on Patreon is to reach $2,500 a month, which I know sounds outlandish, but that is enough money to pay my rent and my health insurance. So I am going to give a loud, proud, super grateful shout out to Cammie Eschler, Adrian Baumgartner, Lynn Never, and Stephanie Nelson. Thank you! Thank you so much! I also, another patron who's been there for a while, is a woman named Shan. And she has a... I didn't even know that she has this company called Blessed Be Magic. I didn't put the two together that she was Blessed Be magic until she did a post on awesome witchy podcasts and she included my podcast in that and I was like oh wow that's so cool and she sells these talisman cuffs is what they're called and it's hard to explain to you what they look like on air but I'm like oh my god I have to tell my peoples about this not because she put me in this red blog post, but because I love these cuffs. They're so pretty and they're super duper affordable. And I was like, oh my God, Valentine's Day is coming up and this would make an amazing like self-love gift to yourself or a gift for your favorite witchy person. So I was like, I'm going to talk about this on the podcast. So I told her that. I was like, I have to tell everyone about your your these talisman cuffs because I know that they will absolutely love them. And they will want them. And so she made us uh, a, this is just a friend thing, okay? She's not, she's not the, the sponsor for this episode or anything. This is just, it's a love thing. I love these cuffs. And she made us our very own discount code. So if you use Hippie Witch, I'm not sure if you have to put it in all caps, but you might as well because that's how she wrote it to me. If you put Hippie Witch with no spaces in at checkout, it gives you 15% off. And they're already just ridiculously affordable. So inexpensive. And she offers free shipping. And she offers payment plans. I'm just like, wow, (laughs) you are going above and beyond. But they look, what I love about them is... Keep in mind, I wear big, chunky, rock and roll sized jewelry, but I also really love 
and don't see very often very elegant, simple, witchy jewelry. It's often very chunky, loud, hippie, rock and roll in your face. And her cuffs are very, they're like slim metal cuffs that have a word on them. So one says witch, one says blessed be, one, this this is so cute, one says card slinger, one says magical, and she spells magic with a K, which you know I appreciate. And then the another just has a little simple pentagram in the center. And they come in silver, gold, and rose gold. And I'm definitely going to be watching Shan's blog and her Instagram because she's rad. But also, I can't wait to get my hands on one of these cuffs. And I just feel like y'all would love it. I asked her about Valentine's Day because this isn't going to be going up until... I don't know what day it is today. (laughs) It's Wednesday. (laughs) Oh, what is today? Wednesday, looking at my... Okay, so today is the 6th. So if you actually happen to hear this podcast on the 6th or the 7th, you will be able to order one of these cuffs and get it before Valentine's Day. She said before the 8th. So I just want to give you a heads up about that. But the discount code is is good after that. I just, if you're thinking about it as a Valentine present, I hope you are hearing this in a timely fashion. The other thing I want to tell you about is my friend Amber. Do you remember when I had Amber on the podcast? We had so much fun. I have to have her back. And so many of you wrote to me saying that you love Amber because basically we just laughed and chit-chatted for, I think it was one of the Saturn State Evening Post episodes. She was the one we were talking about puka tea and we were just cracking ourselves up as we do. And uh, we actually met yesterday for brunch at this place called Foxy's in Glendale. And we can talk. We both can talk. She Maybe she should be my co-host because we never friggin' shut up. <laughs> but we were like talking, blah, 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 so long. We had like a little tiny bit of brunch food that we were kind of picking at. And the waiter kept bringing more coffee, more coffee, more coffee. (laughs) And finally, I was like, I'm going to die if I don't pee. I have to go pee now. And that's what finally ended our talking. And we parted ways eventually. But when I got in my car, (laughs) I looked at the text that she had sent me saying she was there waiting for me. And it was like 10 a.m. And the... The clock in my car said 12.45, and I was like, oh, my God. We sat there for over two and a half hours, like, talking each other's faces off, and I had no idea that that – I didn't feel the time. The time just flew by. It was only it was only the alarm clock of my bladder that was like, hello, you're going to die if you don't pee right now. <laughs> that, that had us finally wrapping it up. But she – she, I've been bugging her to do something. I don't, I don't know what to start a YouTube channel or to start her own podcast or to come be my co-host here sometimes because she has a lot to say and she's interested in so many different things. And so she, she changed her name on Instagram to Messy Magic, uh, Magic with the Kai, and. That was like kind of the first sign that like, oh, is she going to do something? Is she going to start something? And then last week, 
she started her own YouTube channel with her very first video, and I was so proud. I was shouting it out on Twitter, and her first video was like everyone's first video. She's not the Amber I know. It was It's a good video, but she's just way more soft-spoken and reserved than she actually is in real life, so... It, when I was tweeting it out on Twitter, I was like, once she gets rolling and warms up, y'all are going to love her. And then I started bugging her to start making, make your, make another video, post another video. And she did. She did this morning. And it's so good. Like, she took a huge leap from video one to video two. And I wanted to tell you all about it because video two, the subject matter, I think, is something that many of you will resonate with because it's her mental health journey. And she, I am shocked. (laughs) She just like went for it. She just completely shared all this deep personal stuff. It's very raw. It's very real. I would say it's a gigantic leap forward in terms of her just being who she actually is in real life. Like if you were sitting at a table talking to her and I appreciated that. And it's called something like from my mental health story from DIY to meds and back again with CBD. So she recently got off medication for for mental health issues and started using CBD and it's working really well for her. And I just thought that would interest you all. So there will be a link to Blessed Be Magic to those kick-ass, killer, rad, rad, rad talisman cuffs that I love, and there will be a link to my kick-ass, killer, rad, rad, rad friend Amber, Messy Magic, her YouTube channel, and hopefully y'all will go check that out. And I'm seeing now how this episode is going to go. It's going to be another cut-and-paste job because I just had a super fabulous coughing jag. I'm well. I feel so much better than I was feeling the last time I recorded a podcast here, but I still have that lingering cough. I guess like there's a little tiny bit of crud still in my lungs <laughs> that doesn't want to be there. So if I laugh or I talk a lot, it just acts up. So whatever. I'll just cut and paste. I'm in such a good mood. I want to tell you about something and it's a little bit weird. I mentioned last week, I was like, I think I'm going to do a weird episode. So this is it. I want to tell you about something that I'm having fun with. This is not an an endorsement. It's not instructional. It's just Let's, let's call it a friend-to-friend thing. I'm just telling you about something fun that I'm into right now. Okay? Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think Patreon has emboldened me. We, there's a tier there called The Brave. And so there, there's two podcasts for The Brave every month. And the first one is me talking about some subject, whatever the topic is that month. I usually read a little bit from a book on that topic to give somebody else's perspective on it besides my own. And then I send a survey out with that podcast for people to contribute their own ideas, to ask me questions about the topic or just to give their two cents, or share a related story, and then that shapes the content for the next podcast. Podcast number two of The Brave for that month. And we did, was it last month? We recently did one on channeling. And I feel 
vulnerable sharing my own experiences with channeling. I read some to them from Abraham Hicks' book, Asking It Is Given, the part where she was describing what it's like for her to channel. And then I was telling them what it's like for me to channel. And I gave them room in the survey to be like, do you think this is demonic? Do you think it's weird? Does it make you uncomfortable? And the answers definitely came back with an undercurrent. Nobody was like, it's demonic. You're going to hell. But there was definitely an undercurrent of discomfort. Like, I don't, is this safe? I don't know if it's safe. And I, I have had... So much luck, I guess. Maybe. Maybe I'm blessed. Maybe I'm guided. I don't know. But channeling has been only a beautiful experience for me. It's something I got really into in my 20s. And that I just sometimes pick back up around because it's interesting. And and I like it. And I'll go through long periods where I don't do it. But then I think, I don't know, like all my interests, they circle back around eventually. And I felt like talking about it again because I had been playing around with it. And I don't know if you guys remember the episode I did with Benabel Wynn, but she was talking about, I can't even remember what context we were talking about this in, but about evil spirits, I think, or the potential maybe for demon possession or something. And I was, gosh, I am, I think I'm botching this. It's just on the fringes of my memory, what we were talking about. And I said something about, like, I don't know if I believe in all of that. Like, I I don't have a fear of that. Like, I just do my thing and nothing's ever bothered me. And she's a person that believes that you need to have protections in place, like psychic protections, as most witchy people do. And, And then I shared with her what I have shared with you so many times. I feel like y'all can say it with me, the way that I kind of open space up or tap into the divine is I always say the same exact little, I don't know, statement, incantation, invocation before I begin. Before And it's how I learned to channel from a book called Opening to Channel. I say, I ask all high guides from the white light and love from the fifth dimension and above to join me now. When I started channeling, it happened for me right away. And Benabel said something like, well, that's your protection. <laughs> that's your protection. I was like, yeah, probably so. <laughs> I just was like doing what the book told me to do. So that's why I say I got lucky or blessed to have that book. Maybe I just, that provides some protection for me because I'm tapping into all high guides from the white light and love from the fifth dimension and above. I always say, it. I say it when I'm doing a tarot reading, I do it. Often when I'm like saying a prayer or request for help, I say it all the time. I just use it because it immediately connects me. It's just kind of like flipping on a light switch because I've been doing it now for so many years or like plugging in the toaster. It just automatically hooks me in and gets me into a certain state. So maybe that's why I'm not, as far as I know, possessed by a demon. Could be. (laughs) Could be. And there you go. Right when I'm talking about being possessed by a demon, I start wildly coughing. <laughs> That's the demon. That's the demon. So I'm I'm kind of thinking about maybe following up the talk about channeling. Maybe, maybe, maybe us that are doing the brave together, maybe we can do some automatic writing this month 
That's something, it's an idea I'm flirting with, but I, I don't want to be responsible for anyone's demon possession, so I'm going to have to put a lot of disclaimers around it. Sometimes it's just fun to talk about these subjects, even if it's something that you don't want to explore yourself. And the reason I'm talking about channeling, this leads into my fun story. <laughs> I just have some experience with it. I'm one of these people, too, who... This is not a flattering thing about me, but I think everybody is full of shit. Like when they're talking about their spiritual experiences and the things that they've seen, you know, it depends on the person. But I often am like, whatever, dude, good imagination there. (laughs) But when it comes to me, it's like totally real, man. (laughs) And channeling is one of those things because I've experienced it. I can be a bit of a skeptic until I have experience something myself. And I tend to enjoy books that are channeling. That's not true. A lot of it, I think, is bullshit when I read it, and I tend to reject that stuff right away. But the books that I have enjoyed on channeling, I have deeply enjoyed and resonated with the material. So that's a preface to my story about a book. Okay, so one day, the kid and I, one weekend, we drove to our new favorite, favorite, favorite restaurant. It's called Kitchen Mouse. I can't remember if I told you about it, but it's important that you know this if you ever come to Los Angeles. Kitchen Mouse in Highland Park is so awesome because it's all vegan and I think gluten-free. I think everything is vegan and gluten-free, so Tanner and I can eat whatever we want there. We get lattes. We get the thing we really keep going back for is their macaroni and cheese, which Ironically, because it's bacon, I don't know how they pull this off. It has like a little tinge of bacon flavor to it, which is really, 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 really good. And they have cupcakes and cookies and just all the things that are hard to find if you eat a dairy-free, gluten-free diet like we do. And it's so adorable. It's adorable. The people watching is amazing. The decor is really cool. And then the neighborhood is just a fun neighborhood for exploring as well. So, again, Highland Park. It's on the east side of L.A. If you're ever here, if if you're a vegan or you eat a special diet, you might want to check it out. So we were on our way there on a sunny, beautiful day. And right before you get to Kitchen Mouse, from where we're coming from, you go over this hill. And I happened to look over this one time we were going over the hill, and there was this gigantic Victorian house on top of the hill. And I was like, oh, my Lord. I love Victorian houses. I feel like most people do that are are witchy and magical. We tend to love those old houses. Blame it on the movies. So it's like, as soon as we're done at Kitchen Mouse, we're going to go check out that house. And so we drove back up the hill after eating our fabulous macaroni and cheese and come to find out this Victorian house, it looks to be in perfect condition and it's kind of on a hill on the hill. It's at the tippy top of the hill with 360 degree views and then there's like a moat, except it's not water, it's a street, a moat that goes all around its own little hill. So it has this chunk of property like raised up from the hill all to itself and then like the street is kind of like a moat that wraps all the way around it so you can see it from every angle and I was just like oh 
I'm in love with this house. So of course I had to Google it and I get, I get crushes on houses. It's a strange thing about me. I'm in love with my own house, which I talk about here all the time. My old schlumpy house. I have a relationship with her. I love her. But I also fantasize about other homes. I love, I love craftsman homes. I love, I love a lot of the homes here, like on the east side of LA. Pasadena has some amazing homes. And then a Victorian, Victorians are rare here and they're often in dilapidated, dilapidated condition or in really scary neighborhoods. And this one was perfect. It's perfect. I was already fantasizing about like, how can I own it just from seeing it from the outside? So I went home and I Googled it. Come to find out it was built in 1880 something. And the first owner there was a judge and his name is David Patterson Hatch. And in addition to being a judge, he was also an occultist. And he wrote, he wrote a couple books. One I ordered, and I can't remember the name of it right now. It's Occult Science or the Science of the Occult, something to do with science and occult. And But that's not the first book that I ordered from him because while I was Googling and researching this house and who, who in the heck is Judge David Patterson Hatch, I found this book called Letters from a Living Dead Man. That is supposedly channeled. Uh, it's David Patterson Hatch died, and according to this book, he immediately, right upon dying, went and found his friend who was an author. She's a novelist. Her name is Elsa, or she was. We're, ta- we're talking early 1900s when he died. Uh, Elsa Barker was a novelist, and his friend, and he went to her, and started writing through her hand. And that's what Letters from a Living Dead Man is. Okay? I got this book because I thought it would be a novelty. It was because I was interested in this house, and then I was super excited and intrigued that an occultist was the first person to live in this house, and, you know, these 360-degree views over Los Angeles. Something about it just intrigued me. So I thought, oh, that would be a fun, interesting novelty to have around because I'm a book hoarder, basically. (laughs) But but when it got here, I... It's a very slim book because the text, the font is small and it's all like condensed onto the page in this weird way. And the people who published it, there's like a publisher's note at the beginning and they're giving you a warning. Let me see if I can read this instead of just saying it off the top of my head. They say, we scanned this book using character recognition software that includes an automated spell check. Our software is 99% accurate if the book is in good condition. However, we do understand that even 1% can be a very annoying number of typos, and sometimes all or part of a page is missing from our copy of a book, or the paper may be so discolored from age that you can no longer read the type. Please accept our sincere apologies. Apology accepted. (laughs) Who is this publisher? I should give them a shout out. General Books, LLC, from Memphis, USA. Y'all rock. I ordered this. There's two sequels to this book, and I've ordered them both. In addition to David Patterson Hatch's 
his own work before he died. (laughs) There's just something about it that has captured my imagination, and I am so intrigued. I'm so intrigued. Let Let me also say that the name of that Victorian house is El Mio, which means mine. (laughs) I keep having dreams about the house. I keep having dreams about walking around the house. I was very excited when I finally got to go in the house in one of my dreams. I was like afraid to get caught, but I was super excited to be there. And I I have dreams where I'm meeting the neighbors and we're like the new people that live there. This is what happens when I get very, very obsessive, blame it on my Scorpio moon, but this is what I do. The house is actually more popularly known as the Smith House because the family that lived there after David Hatch, they were the Smith family, and they were very prominent in the community, and they would throw these big parties, which also I think is pretty fabulous. And there, I can't remember the name of the movie. There's been a couple of horror movies that were shot there as well, which is cool because that allowed me to see inside the movie a little bit or inside the house a little bit and get like a peek at what it looks like. And it's just gorgeous. I mean, it's, hello, 1880 something it was built. It's a Victorian house and they've kept, I mean, it looks so original or so many details intact on the inside as well as the outside. So that's, that's what started this whole adventure. But what kept it, but what has kept the adventure going is the voice of David Patterson Hatch through the hand of Elsa Barker. The way that this book starts is how channeling starts. If you've ever practiced automatic writing or channeling and you've actually had something come through, regardless of what that something is, maybe it's your higher self, maybe it's this entity that you're trying to channel or your spirit guides or like me, you're just all high guides from the white light and love and the fifth dimension and above or Abraham Hicks. In the beginning, it comes out in kind of like a stilted, awkward way. It doesn't exactly flow and the messages are just kind of a little bit choppy, but it was enough that I kept reading. I was just something about it to me and this is totally just my opinion, this is just the feeling I got, was like, I think this is real. I think this is actually happening. What the hell is this? This is so cool. I just got a thrill from it. And then, and he's writing in letters. And in the beginning, the letters are just tiny, just like a couple paragraphs long. But as it goes along, the letters get longer and longer and more articulate. And it's like he's getting a handle on how to come through her hand, and she is allowing him more and more. And he instructs her, too. Like it's That's a little creepy, I think, if you're creeped out by channeling or automatic writing. I mean, can you imagine your hand moving itself, like something else coming through and moving your hand? I, I That's scary, right? I can see why that would be really scary. And if that freaks you out, some of the things he's saying about He's like urging her to not cut off the communication and to let him keep coming. And he gives her like tips for how to make it work better and things like that. And she includes that. I mean, it's all just, she wrote it all down. But what's so fun is, let's just assume it's real, just for the sake of talking about it right now, whether it is or it isn't, whether it was her imagination 
or maybe she was just tapping so deeply into her own subconscious that she believed it was real, but it was, again, just her own just wild imagination. I don't know. The way it came across to me is it felt real, so I'm going to talk about it like it was. So the thing that makes it so thrilling is that it comes off like David Hatch is in the fourth dimension. He's describing the fourth dimension, and he's so damn excited to be there, and he can't wait to tell her everything he's learned since the last time they talked. Like It's like a friend coming back to be like, oh my gosh, I was totally wrong about this. That's not how it is. This is how it is. Like He corrects himself as he gets to know the fourth dimension better, He's very curious. It's He's very much an occultist. Like if an occultist died and went to the fourth dimension, which is the way he describes it is it's kind of, it's a little bit like limbo. It's a, it's a in-between station that you go between your lives. So he, he believes, he conveys this idea of reincarnation and that this is a place you go to in the in-between time, this fourth dimension. But then he goes on to describe angels and someone he calls the beautiful being. And toward the end of the book, he he gets really enchanted with this creature he calls the beautiful being. You don't really know who the beautiful being is, but the beautiful being is very poetic. And he's like, oh, I want, can I tell you, he calls them a chant. Can I tell you a a chant that the beautiful being said? And then it just starts pouring through. Some of that is so profound. Let me flip through and try to find some for you. I I posted a little bit on Twitter. I didn't know who to give credit to, (laughs) to, because I I always attribute quotes to whoever said it. And I was like, what do I do? Do I write Elsa Barker? Do I write... David Patterson Hatch? Do I write The Beautiful Being? (laughs) I didn't know what to do. So hold on, let me find something. I'll pause you. Let me dig around a bit to find a good quote. Okay, no, I'm wrong. He does refer to The Beautiful Being as an angel. In digging through for a quote here, I saw, he says, The Beautiful Being lives in eternity as we fancy that we live in time. Will you write down here another of that angel's chants? So he does refer to The Beautiful Being as an angel. So here is some of what the beautiful being says in this particular chant. When you see me in the green trees and in the green light under trees, know that you are near to me. When you hear my voice in the silence, know that I speak for you. The immortal loves to speak to the immortal in the mortal. Think about that. The immortal loves to speak to the immortal in the mortal. I love that. (laughs) The immortal loves to speak to the immortal in the mortal. And there is joy in calling to the joy which dozes in the heart of a soul of earth. When joy is awake, the soul is awake. You look for God in the forms of men and women, and sometimes you find him there. But you look for me in your own soul, the deeper gaze, the fairer the vision. Yes, I am in nature, nature with a capital N, and I am in you when you look for me there, for nature is dual, and the half you carry within you, all things are one and dual, even I, and that is why you may find me. Oh, the charm of being free, to wander at will round the earth and heaven and through the souls of men. I am lighter than the thistle down, but more enduring than the star. I just love that. I just 
love that. And there's so much I could say about this. I get very hyped up and excited, but that, that's one of the things. One of the things that I enjoyed about this book was the words of the beautiful being. In addition to that, from the very beginning almost, close to the beginning, he keeps referencing the teacher. And you never really know who the teacher is, except that the teacher is helping him learn about what the fourth dimension is and learn about what he can do in the fourth dimension. There's this awesome part with the teacher. <laughs> the teacher is some kind of master of some kind that, that's helping this guy out. The way he describes the fourth dimension gave me such a thrill because I love to joke, and I've definitely joked here on the podcast before, that like, what if when we die, whatever we th believe happens to us when we die is what happens? And then he actually says that's correct, that that is what happens. So Christians go to this place that they call their, the heaven, is it the heaven land? I think it might be called the Heaven Land. And he and they went around and visited all these different people and their experiences. And people think they're in heaven. And so their god or goddesses is there. And Jesus is there. But then there are other people that are atheists, for example. And he wanted to know, like, what are these people doing? Like, laying out like they're in a coma, basically. And the teacher explains to him that they are they didn't believe in an afterlife. They thought they turned to dust when they died. So they're just going to lay there unconscious in a coma until the universe decides to spit them back out into their next incarnation. And David Hatch becomes very intrigued with this and he wants to wake one up. And then it becomes a whole like issue of ethics. Like, should we wake one up? What will happen if we wake one up and tell him where he is? And the teacher is also kind of on the fence, like intrigued, but doesn't want to do something unethical, but they do decide to wake one up. <laughs> Does this sound fun? I think it's just so interesting and so fun. And something that he says, I guess this applies to channeling demons. <laughs> he gives her warnings about, you know, not opening herself up to whoever's there, that there's some kind of like parasitic entities that glom on to people who are open, which is something you'll hear a lot about in the, in the world of occult when you read about this stuff. It's something that I have always just kind of been like, whatever, dude, I've never experienced that myself. But again, going back to what Benabel when said on my podcast, maybe that's because I've always had that protection in place. It could be. I don't know. Just telling you what he said. It's a common thing that occultists believe. And he warns her about this and says that they're like around him. But interestingly, he's always too like, but make sure that you let me keep coming through, okay? <laughs> and, but my point was, he says that people don't be fooled by any entities in the fourth dimension. Like don't assume that they're gods or that they have the superior knowledge and wisdom that people bring their memories with them when they go over there. And they're basically the same people in the fourth dimension that they were here on earth. And, and so I think it's interesting to hear him talk about the things he's excited about because it is as if an occultist who was speaking the metaphysical language of that day 
is up in the fourth dimension, and that's the language that he has to work with. What I personally found thrilling about that is it echoes so many of my own beliefs about magic and the law of attraction. So I wanted to read a little bit about that too. Sorry, that's all that clunking around is my box of Kleenex and my reading glasses and my book. (laughs) General excitement, bumping into the microphone. So he says, concentration is the secret of power here as elsewhere. And when he says here, he's talking about the fourth dimension and how they can create up there as much as we can create down here. They have different abilities, like they can travel at almost like the speed of thought. They have different abilities, but in general, they think that they have bodies. They have something that looks like the body that they had here on earth. He gets into people wanting to go back and look at their bodies, and and he recommends not doing that. He talks about how your grief can actually hold your loved ones back from exploring the fourth dimension and being free. Interesting ideas, but anyway concentration. That's what I'm trying to read to you about here because it applies to magic. This is very magical. Concentration is the secret of power here as elsewhere. And there are two ways of using the will. One may concentrate upon a definite plan and bring it into effect or not according to the amount of force at one's disposal. Or one may will that the best and highest and wisest plan possible shall be demonstrated by the subconscious forces in the self and in other selves. The latter is the commanding of all environment for a special purpose instead of commanding or attempting to command a fragment of it. And then later he goes on to say, imagination has great power. If you make a picture in the mind, the vibrations of the body may adjust to it if the will is directed that way, as in thoughts of health and sickness. I've been talking, this month I've been talking about the New Thought Movement on Patreon, and I'm having, I think, if all goes well, Mitch Horowitz on the show, and he will, I'm sure, be talking about the New Thought Movement too, and a lot of the content in this book echoes that, which is exciting. Speaking of exciting, one thing that he gets very excited and fired up about is something that he he starts to call the pattern world. So I wanted to read a little bit about that, too, because it's cool. It's interesting. So this is one of his letters that he titled The Pattern World. He said, there is something I want to qualify in what I said the other day. Okay, so this is one of his, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I interrupt myself. I hope you're used to that by now and you can hang with me. This is a good example of him correcting something that he previously said. There is something I want to qualify in what I said the other day, that there is nothing out here which has not existed on the earth. Since then, I have learned that that statement is not exactly true. There are strata here. This I have learned recently. I still believe that in the lowest stratum next to the earth, all or nearly all that exists, has existed on Earth in dense matter. Go a little farther up, a little farther away, how far I cannot say by actual measurement. But the other night in exploring, I got into the world of patterns, the paradigms, if that is the word, of things which are to be on Earth. I saw forms of things which, so far as I know, have not existed on your planet. 
inventions, for example. I saw wings that man could adjust to himself. I saw also new forms of flying machines. I saw model cities and towers with strange wing-like projections on them of which I could not imagine the use. The progress of mechanical invention is evidently only begun. Another time I will go on further up in that world of pattern forms and see if I can learn what lies beyond it. so cute. <laughs> He's such an, an eager explorer. You just want to be like, yes, go up further into the pattern world and come back and tell us what you find. Go, David, go. <laughs> I just love him. And it's so tempting to just sit here and read the whole damn book. But you'll have to buy it yourself if you want to. Just keep in mind the publisher's warning at the beginning of the book. It it takes a second to get the hang of it. But once you're in it, you're in it. And it's really intriguing. But there's two other things I wanted to read to you before I go because I have to. He says, I have made wonderful discoveries in the archives of my own soul. There I have found the memories of all my past back to a time almost unbelievably distant. In seeing how the causes set up in one life have produced their effects in the other, I have learned more than I shall learn on my coming tour of the planets. I forgot to mention that. He has a plan to go tour the outer planets, but he's afraid if he goes out there that he'll never come back. He'll never want to come back to engage with with the fourth dimension and and speak through her hand through this automatic writing. So he's like, I still have more to say, but later I'm going to go check out the other planets. (laughs) Okay, so then he goes on to say, everything exists in the soul. All knowledge is there. Grasp that idea if you can. The infallible part of us is the hidden part, and it is for us to bring it to light. Isn't that great? There's a lot of... There's little pieces of wisdom all through. And then the rest, you know, it's just so intriguing. But this is how it ends. He says his, his I think, because this is his last letter. Yeah. He says, my friend, I'm going to leave you for a while, perhaps for a long time. It seems to me that my immediate work with the earth is done. I want still further to lighten my load, to soar out upon the waves of ether far, far, and to forget in the thrill of exploration that I shall someday have to make my way painfully back to the world through the narrow straits of birth. I am going out with the beautiful being on a voyage of discovery. My companion has taken this journey before and can show me the way to many wonders. There is a sadness in bidding you goodbye. Do you remember the last time you saw me in my old body? We neither of us thought that afternoon that we should next meet in a foreign country and under conditions so strange that half the world will doubt that we have ever met again at all. He's telling her goodbye, but I know he's back because there's two sequels and I can't wait for those books to get here. (laughs) Wasn't this fun? Oh my God. I just think... So much fun. And I'm so obsessed with El Mio because, I mean, anybody could say, mine, it is mine, but I am energetically claiming El Mio for my own. (laughs) I just, I don't know. It's not the first time I've obsessed on a house like this, and it probably won't be the last, but I enjoy, there's something about me that I don't necessarily have to manifest something that I'm enjoying imagining. It's 
the imagining itself that almost is the the manifestation for me. Does that make sense? Like I just really enjoy playing around in my imagination. I love my dreams. I'm very excited that I get to keep going back to El Mio in my dreams. I can't wait to see what happens next. Sometimes that's enough for me. Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes that's magical enough. So I hope you all are having a wonderful day. Until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.